morning. Come on and give him praise. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah, church. Are you glad to be here today? Are you glad God woke you up this morning? Touched you with his precious finger of life. You know, he didn't have to do that. He loves us so much that he reached down and woke us up this morning. Just like he reached into our past lives, into the darkness that we once called living. And said, you can do better than this with me in your life. And he brought us out of that darkness. Do you remember your darkness? I do. I remember mine. And I thank God that he took me out of that life, away from the alcohol and other things that just tear you down and that take us away from God. And he brought us where? Into his marvelous light. Amen, brother. Into his light. And not only that, he says, I am the light. Jesus is the light. And he also says that we're lights. We're the little lights. He's the big light. And we're to reflect his light by staying in his presence. Brothers and sisters, we must never go back to that darkness. We need to stay in the light of God. Amen? Praise God. That's what he made us for. To be the light of the world along with him. I don't know about you, but I can't help but say, thank God for Jesus who gives us the victory. Hallelujah. Let us go to a particular Bible verse that makes us very, very clear that God has taken us out of our dark past life into his marvelous light and what he wants us to do. In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. And if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Who knows that the Lord is gracious? Amen. Hallelujah. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. God says we're precious. Ye also as living, lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Sion as chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Let me jump over to verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that distinction. We are a royal priesthood and holy nation. Holy before God, made holy by the blood of Jesus. A peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Thank God for Jesus. I said thank God for Jesus, church. Hallelujah. Who gives us the victory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let us go before the Lord in prayer brothers and sisters, bow on our heads in humble reverence.
through our mighty Savior, our wonderful God. Mm. Precious and almighty God, almighty Father, we feel your presence here today at Christ the Cornerstone. Oh, we feel you today, Lord. There's only one way to explain this joy that we feel right now. Your word says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. And we feel it right now, dear God, in our spirit man, spirit woman. Thank you. That's why we're here today, dear God. We, we need that wonderful anointing of the Holy Ghost, just like we need water. We wouldn't live without it. We're a thirsty people in a dry land, dear God. Give us that water, dear God, so that we will never thirst again. Feed us, dear God, until we want no more. Feed us, Jesus. Let us drink his blood. We love you, Lord. We praise you. You're the reason we're here today. You're the reason why we got up early this morning, and I don't know about anybody else, but it was kind of hard with that nice, cool weather. I wanted to stay in bed a little bit longer, but it was something I wanted even more. I wanted to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I wanted to come into this place and magnify the Lord. Those on the internet are doing the same thing. They're up early. They want to be in your presence, dear God. And you're everywhere, Lord. We know that. And we thank you that we can always come to you. You say you never slumber, you never sleep. You're just there waiting for us to recognize you and to come unto you. Well, Father, we're doing that corporately as a church body right now, saying that we love you. We need you. We adore you. Lead us today, dear God, in the rest of this week, the rest of our lives, according to your word, your will, your good pleasure for our lives. So only you know that. Help us, dear God, for we cannot help ourselves. We're a needy people, Lord. We need you. We need you, dear God, from the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. We need you. For it is in you that we live and move and have our very being. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you bless this service. Let it go just the way you want it to go, Lord. We've made plans. We've written them down, as you said we should do with this vision. But Lord, we ask that you rest, reign, rule, and abide, not only in this church, but in our hearts. Lead us, guide us to where you want us to be. And we'll know that if you do... And if we listen, everything will be all right. Father, bless those of us who are ill. We have many, dear God, who are sick. We have those who have lost loved ones, dear God. Soothe our hearts. Let your precious balm of Gilead permeate the pain and the sorrow and the illness that so many of us have experienced and are experiencing right now. Lord, once again, we love you. Thank you for keeping us safe from all hurt harm and danger this past week. May you continue to cover us with your precious feathers so that under your wings we may trust. Humbly we ask this. Faithfully we believe this. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And church, would you say amen, please? Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. Operation Christmas Child is a ministry that collects shoeboxes filled with gifts and distributes them to children in need all over the world. 
It's a ministry that our church has been involved in for the past 15 years. Shoe boxes are now available for you to pick up at either campus. The box will contain instructions on how to fill it to bless a child in need. Filled shoe boxes will be collected at the Bear Campus between November 15th and the 22nd. To learn more about this, visit our website or go to SamaritansPurse.org. Divorce is a difficult situation to navigate for everyone involved. On Tuesday, October 26th from 7 to 9 p.m., we will be hosting a one-night support event on surviving the holidays. We will be learning how to manage difficult emotions, survive social events, and find hope for your future. There's no cost for this, but we ask that you sign up by visiting our website and clicking on Life Groups or send an email to ccarol at ctcde.church. Many of you have participated in our Thanksgiving Turkey Basket Project. Because of your generosity, we have been able to bless hundreds of families in our area during the Thanksgiving holiday. We are asking for your help once again. If you are on campus with us, you will find at your seat a list of items needed for the baskets. You can also download that list from our website. If you know of a family that would benefit from receiving a basket, send an email to lpointexter at ctcde.church. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Pastor Roger, welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. So glad you're here. You know, we have three things that we do here at Christ the Cornerstone uh, that guide us in everything that we do, and that is, first one is love. We love God. That's the primary thing. And we want to love, all, love one another, love others inside the church, outside the church. We also want to serve God. We want to serve God with our gifts, our abilities, our talents, our skills. Inside the church and outside the church. We love God and serve God by serving others. And we don't want to engage the world with this message that Jesus has given to us. A message of good news. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the good message of Jesus Christ, because that message is the power of God for the transformation of the world. That's why we gather here this morning and that's why, we're, uh, that's why we do what we do. And I welcome you in joining us in that. Just outside this uh, celebration room in the mall area on the left is a welcome center. If you've not ever been in there, I encourage you to go on uh, inside there. If you're online, there's a, a connect card uh, button to click. To let us know that you're online and we're very glad for you uh, to do that. Also on the connect card, if you're in, in here... Uh, take out this little welcome piece uh, on the back side of it. It says Connect Card. And uh, fill that out. We ask everybody to do that every time you're, you're here. That's one of the ways we not just keep track of people, but it's the way we stay in touch with people. Because if we don't, if we don't uh, see that you're, and there's so many people here, we don't see that you've been in attendance, uh, this is the way that we know that 
and we can uh, continue to keep you connected to one another in the church. So fill out the Connect card, and then there's a, a place at the bottom of that or on the uh, offering envelope for you to make uh, a prayer request as, as, we, as we pray for one another. And finally, as we give, uh, as you know, our giving is not just because we have expenses and things like that. Far more importantly, Jesus teaches us to be generous with everything that we have. And so we have some principles that we follow. And here's one of those principles that we want to follow this morning. And so let's read this principle together. Principle number three. We give to support those who proclaim the kingdom. And a scripture verse that uh, supports that. Let's read this out loud together. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. There's a lot of words in there and a lot of things to think about, but the key word for us right now is that word generous. Jesus is generous with what? With his grace. What does grace mean? Grace means kindness. Grace means mercy. Grace means unearned love to us. And Jesus was generous with that. And he teaches us also to be generous. So let's do that. Let's continue worshiping God this morning. I invite you, if you're here in the room, to stand with me as we pray. And then the team will continue to lead us in song. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for being generous with us, with your grace. Pastor Vaughn gave a brief testimony earlier about remembering the time that he was living in the darkness, but you brought him out of that darkness into your light. Jesus, you invite all of us to run out of that grave because that's what you did. Jesus, let us not leave this place today before we recognize and remember in our own lives or make made the decision to flee from the sin and darkness that is all around this world. But let us find that new life, that joy, that peace, that patience that you're giving to us so generously through our faith in Jesus Christ. As we sing to you, as we pray to you, as we listen to you, Jesus, come, guide us, fill our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord today? How great the chasm that lay between How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into
today because we have a hope that is alive. We don't have a hope that's imaginary. We don't have a hope that is is not attainable. We have a hope that is living. Because he lived and he died and he lives again, we have hope. So we ask, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would move among us today. Make us alive. As we sang in the beginning of the service today, call us out of darkness and into light. Lord, when we hear that call, we will run out of the grave, out of the grave of darkness. We will make a choice to leave our chains behind because you have freed us. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move among us today by your fresh wind, by your power, and by your anointing. We need that, Lord. We needed to live, we needed to serve, we needed to engage. Yeah. 
today, Lord, because that anointing is what breaks bondages and yokes and sets people free, heals diseases, brings families and relationships back together. It's the anointing that does the work. Lord, we can, in our own striving and in our own wisdom and in our own strength, try and try and try, and it will never be enough. But Lord, with your anointing, Through us and in us, you can do anything. Lord, we make ourselves available to you today as vessels. Lord, even though we're not fit to be filled with the extravagant love and the Spirit of God, you have made us that way. You have decided that even though, Lord, we are broken vessels, that you want to pour into us your love and your Spirit. So, Lord, pour it. Pour it out so it overflows onto other people. So that when we come in contact with people outside this building, it's fun and it's easy to sing the songs in here and to rejoice in this room when we're all together or when we're joining us together online. But what happens on Tuesday afternoon? What happens on Friday morning when we're at school or when we're at the job? 
Pour your spirit out so that it might overflow. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform. April is our kids ministry director. And in just a minute, we're going to pray a prayer for her and for Pastor Roger. If you have uh, families, if you have children that are going to be going to kids church today, uh, you're going to go with Miss April in just a minute. We join me in prayer. God, we thank you for your great anointing and we thank you that, Lord, you have promised in your word that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. And so we receive that. We make ourselves available for that today. And Lord, we pray for April today and her team as they minister to our children. We pray that that anointing would rest on them. We pray that you would speak to our kids, uh, Lord, and and call their names, Lord. Uh, Lord, call their names and let them hear you. So, Lord, we pray for our pastor today. Uh, We pray that as he brings the word, that your anointing would rest on him and on our hearts as we receive. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. beautiful service. It's a beautiful morning to gather together. And again, I thank you for coming this morning. You know, many times throughout our service, we're praying for God to pour his spirit out upon us, pour out that anointing. The the word anoint literally means to pour. What are we asking God to pour? We're asking him to pour his Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, when when they would select and choose a king, they would pour oil over that, that, that person. And there are descriptions in the Old Testament where they're pouring the oil and it literally runs down their face. And you can, you can imagine uh, in, in those days, uh, fresh olive oil, virgin olive oil. You know, we pay the, the, the expensive stuff that we, <laughs> that we look for in the grocery stores. Not the watered down, not the mixed stuff. The, the fresh pressed oil. You know, oil is a lubricant, right? <laughs> and it, the God's Holy Spirit comes over us in order that God can do in and through us what God wants to do. That's what we ask God to do when we ask for His anointing, and uh, we take that seriously here. And it's a it's a powerful thing, and it's a sacred thing to be in the presence of God. And so I thank you for choosing to come out this morning. If you're online, you chose to get online. So we're trusting that through this service, God is working in your life, bringing you hope and joy and peace so that you can do what Jesus asked us to do. What is that? To make disciples, not just be something, but Jesus called us to do something. He called us to go into all the world and heal all kinds of sickness and disease. That requires a a, a physical change in our world and in our lives. That's what Jesus asks us as the body of Christ to do. 
He calls us to go and to announce forgiveness. That's what Jesus came to do. Because we people have all been created to live in that relationship with God, but we all have rebelled and turned against God. And He calls us to say to one another that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our rebellion and to allow us to turn back to God without fear or trembling so that we can be received into God's arms. He has asked us to do this. And in this series called Parables of uh, Invitation, God has given us the task of inviting others to come to Him. To accept this gift of forgiveness that He gives to us. That's our task as the body of Christ, as the church. On your, uh, and that's the, what this series is about. And Luke 14, verses 13 and 14 talks about Jesus. He says, when you have a banquet, don't invite the people who you know can return the favor. What good is that? But invite the poor. Invite those people who you know cannot return as much as what you have given to them. That's generosity. Jesus, again, is repeating this, this, this uh, theme of living a generous life. And he says, don't invite those who have everything that they need. Invite those who don't have everything they need. Invite those who can't even walk the lame or whatever might be lame about them. Even those who might just say, hey, you're a lame person. Not lame in the physical sense, but just, you know, the way we use lame in the slang sense. (laughs) Good for nothing people. People that we think we would just, ah, I don't need you in my life. Jesus says, invite that one to come to the table and hear what Jesus has to say. It is a a life of inviting others. So we're looking at these parables of invitation. And in each of these parables, Jesus is is telling us to do something. On your uh, table... Uh, you have a, the, the envelope that I showed you earlier has the welcome card and the connect card, but also in that envelope is another card that says message notes. I'd like you to take that card out of the envelope on your table or your chair. And uh, again, we are uh, looking at... I thought there was some music being played someplace. We are looking at... Uh, who we can invite to this. And last week I asked you uh, to take a moment and think and pray about, Lord, who do you want me to invite to somebody? Who are you going to bring across my path? And I hope you wrote down some names. Some of you wrote down the names and then put your cards in the uh, offering baskets by the door so we could see some of the names. I didn't intend for you to do that. What I intended is for you to take that card home and pray for and look for an opportunity to meet with that person and how you could be invitational to them during the week. Did anybody do that? Anybody meet the person that you were praying for this week? Raise your hand. Post it on that. Yeah, amen. Very good. Thank you. Uh, The person that I was praying for, I didn't have an opportunity. So I don't think that I failed, but I continued to pray for those opportunities and those people. But let's take a moment again. And let's ask God to reveal to us maybe the same people or maybe somebody else. So let, let me offer a prayer, and then we'll have a moment of silent prayer, and we'll ask uh, Jesus to reveal 
To whom do you want us to make an invitation to experience your love and grace this week, Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the call that you've given to each one of us. And again, we remember the testimony, that brief testimony Pastor Vaughn shared about you inviting him out of the darkness. You invite each one of us out of the darkness. Every one of us, God, knows somebody that you want us to invite. And Jesus, back in the day, when Jesus was walking here, there was, there was not another pastor who had the task of inviting others to come to church. It was the job of the followers of you. And it still is the job of your followers to go to our friends, to go to our acquaintances, to go to our strangers and say to them, there is forgiveness. There is healing. There is peace. There is purpose. There is joy in life today, and it lasts forever through faith in Jesus Christ. Who do you want us to give that message to this week? We pause now to listen to you as you bring names to us. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your Holy Spirit this morning to reveal to us these names. May we be faithful this week, God, that when you give us the opportunity to meet these people, maybe you gave, you, you put on the mind of somebody a name that they don't know anybody with that name, but you're, they're going to meet somebody this week. We pray for that event, and we thank you for the opportunity of sharing this invitation to run out of that grave live in the light instead of the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Sermon's not over. We're just getting started. Don't go home. So in our series, we're looking at these parables. And this is the theme, to invite others to come to Christ. So today we're going to look at the parable from Matthew chapter 25. And so let's turn there. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And this is a, all of the parables, the, the, the word parable, as I said last week, literally means to make a comparison. A parable is a comparison. So if you compare an apple to an orange, you are doing a parable. <laughs> Let me tell you the parable of the orange and the parable of the apple. No, I don't have a... But that's literally what parable means. It's to make a comparison between two things. And Jesus, and so when we read this parable, we're going to ask, what is Jesus comparing to what? So let's listen as we hear, read this parable. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, will be like. So on one side we have the kingdom of heaven. And the word like tells us that this is a comparison. And it will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. He's talking about a wedding. The kingdom of God is going to be like a wedding. But the wedding hasn't happened yet. The ten bridesmaids are waiting for that wedding to happen. He says in verse 2, Five of them were foolish 
and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five, the five foolish ones realized. They, they asked others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. And the parable itself really ends right there. That's the end of the story. The door will be locked and you won't get in. And then an interpretation of this parable is provided to us. Therefore, now the word therefore is not in verse, 12, verse 13. The word so is in verse 13. But in order to get the same meaning, we can replace it with the word therefore, right? Because doesn't the word so mean the same thing? It's a cause and effect relationship. Because of that, this is going to happen. Because of this parable, so you too must keep watch. He's helped us greatly, Jesus says, in interpreting this parable, because you do not know the day or the hour of my return, Jesus says. He's given us the comparison, but he's also given us the lesson that he wants us to grasp from it. Now, there are some things in this parable that don't quite match up to the way we do weddings today. Maybe some of us have some understanding because some of us come from other cultures that, that may have some of these components. But generally, in the United States, we don't do some of these things. For example, let's go back to this comparison. Not all of us have ten bridesmaids. <laughs> Although my daughter getting married in March has a good number of the ten. But five of them were foolish and five were wise. What made them foolish? What made them wise? They didn't bring enough oil. Some of them brought oil. Why, why do you have to bring oil to the wedding? Because in those days, the wedding feast lasted at least seven days. That's a wedding reception. And all of your guests stayed. And they partied. And they celebrated. And there was a place for the bride and the groom to go to consummate their, their marriage while the rest of the community continued to party. They had their own little party over here. <laughs> and then the rest of the community gathered for seven days. They celebrated the union of these two families based on the union of these two individuals. That's a party. Some of us have been to wedding receptions where it's just been over the top. And it didn't last for seven days. 
but these did. So now you understand, when you went to a wedding feast, you had to go prepared. And five of them didn't go prepared. I don't know what it means about those five people who didn't go to prayer. Who goes to the wedding feast unprepared? We're going to celebrate. I don't know why they didn't. We might extrapolate and, and, and use our imaginations to kind of figure that out. But the point that Jesus is making to us is that we've got to go to the wedding feast prepared. Not a literal wedding feast, but what is Jesus talking about? And in verse 5, we read, what, we read that when the bridegroom was dis- delayed. Hey, when the bridegroom was delayed. Now, some people, some scholars have said that Jesus is not actually, this might not be an actual parable, that Jesus might actually be describing a specific event. And he might have been describing an actual wedding during which there were bridesmaids some of them came prepared they, to, to enter into the town or into the courtyard or into the home, but they, the party hadn't started because the groom was delayed. Why? How can the groom be delayed? Now, some of us have been to weddings where often it's the bride that gets delayed. But the groom was delayed in this. And they became drowsy and they fell asleep. They didn't go back home. They stayed there because they knew this party was going to last for seven days. We're not going to miss this party. But we didn't bring enough oil. So our lamps have burned out. And, and the, the bridegroom, we don't know what time he's going to come. He may come in the middle of the night. So I've got to have my lamp ready. And if we're going to stay here seven days, it's going to get dark throughout those seven days. And I need my lamp. I need to be prepared for this party. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they became drowsy and fell asleep. And then suddenly, at night, they were aroused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. I have a shofar, a shofar here. This is an ancient instrument made of a ram's horn. I blow it every Saturday night before worship, every Sunday morning uh, before uh, we begin worship, the volunteers... You know, there are probably 15 or 20 people who gather here uh, every Sunday morning before getting ready for you to come to worship this morning or for you to worship online. And some of them, uh, you don't see them now. I mean, you can look at the back and see a few of them. But downstairs, they're making sure that the broadcast is going well and they're responding to the people who are online and praying with them and engaging with them. That's church. That's, that's what we're doing. And so when we gather together, we, 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 I call them together when we pray together, and we're going to see how good I do this. This is the sound that I make this morning, kind of. And that's an ancient call to prayer. When people heard that sound, it meant, come, let's pray together. And this instrument, not this particular one, but a ram's horn called a shofar was used any time to gather the people and say something is happening. Now, when there was a wedding, somebody would take a shofar like this and play a tune on it that would announce to everybody, it's time for the wedding, the bridegroom is coming. I want to tell you a little bit more about when it's time for the wedding. 
In our day, we, we send out, I don't understand this, we send out save-the-date cards or notices or an email. And uh, when I, Carol and I got married, we had to buy the paper ones. We had to, uh, you know, get, get all that stuff ready and mail them out and, and did the postal service thing because there was no Internet, there wasn't email. This sounds so strange to say that, doesn't it? And it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> or was it? Anyway. But today there's a save the date. And why, why would people announce save the date? No, just announce the wedding. Just tell me when it is and I'll be there. I want to save the date. Just invite me to the wedding if you want me to the wedding. But we go through all these steps. But in those days, they blew the shofar. And everything was ready. So here's what would happen. Tell you a little bit about how the engagement process went. When a young man wanted to marry a young woman in those days, he would decide what he could provide to both the father of the bride, because that father was losing a member of his family, a worker in the household, a helper. Father was losing that. And the groom was gaining that. And the groom's family would bring that woman into their family. And so they were gaining somebody in their family through which there would be children and their family would continue. But it was a loss to the, to the bride's family. So what are you going to provide to me for the loss that I'm experiencing? And how are you going to care for my daughter? The groom would come to the, to the father with a contract. At the engagement time, the betrothal time. And he would sit down with the father and the family. There would be others at the table or in the room. The father would have a glass of uh, a jar of wine and a glass for every person around the table. And he would set the table. The father of the bride would pour wine in each person's glass except for the bride's glass. And they'd sit down and the groom would, would present his contracts to the father. They would talk about it. They would negotiate it. They would argue back and forth if necessary. The father would say, you can't do this. You got whatever. And once the father and the groom agreed on, on that marriage contract, the groom would turn to the bride-to-be and he would say nothing except he would take that bottle of wine and he would fill her glass with wine. And get this, if you know your scriptures, this will, be, this will be meaningful to you. If the bride takes the cup and drinks the cup, that is her yes. She didn't say, yes, I will marry, me, marry you. She simply drank the cup. Now, in our modern church rituals, we have communion in which Jesus presents us a cup of wine. And every time we take communion, we are saying yes to Jesus. Yes to what? Yes, Jesus, I will enter into this intimate relationship with you. Like marriage is an intimate relationship. And I will live in that relationship. I will live in that contract, in that covenant, Jesus, that you made with me. That covenant, Jesus, that you signed with your very own blood. I receive it. 
and I am committing myself to be your bride. I know that sounds a little creepy in our world today. But that's the depth, that's the strength of the relationship that Jesus calls us and invites us to. And if the bride takes that cup and she drinks it, there's joy. And then the groom says to the bride, I'm so excited. <laughs> and, it, and hear these words too. The groom says to his bride, Now that you have accepted my invitation to marry me, now I am going to go back to my father's house and I am going to prepare a place for you. Huh. We've heard those words before if we've read the book of John, for example. Because these are the words that Jesus Himself spoke to His disciples the night Jesus died, the night Jesus shed His blood, the night Jesus poured out His own flesh and blood, inviting us into a relationship with Him, with the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. The groom says to his bride, Now I'm going back to my father's house so that I can prepare a place for you. And when it is ready, then I am going to come and get you. And then you will come and be with me where I am. These are the words of Jesus. When Jesus says those words, He's inviting the world to enter into an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's powerful. That's the truth. Now we're back to, we're still talking about when... When the bridegroom is delayed. Think back what I just described in that process. The bridegroom saying, I'm going back to my father's house to prepare a place to you, for you. Now, who do you think gets to determine the time of the wedding? It's not the groom. It's the father of the groom. And look at this, men, fathers, dads. I want you to get this. The responsibility that we have as men to make sure that our children are prepared to do what God calls us to do is on us, men. Especially with our sons. To teach our sons to prepare for life. Not just economically, not just physically, not just skills, but spiritually. Men, we have to teach our sons how to enter into this relationship with God so that our sons can lead their families into this relationship too. It's not going to happen unless we do it. Yes, wives have a responsibility in that also, but I'm talking to the men. We have to bear this responsibility. And who determines when the groom is ready? The father determines when the groom is ready. So the groom says to his bride, I'm going back to my father's house to prepare a room for us. And literally, he probably is making a, he's building an addition onto the side of his father's house that will be the bridal chamber. It'll be the first place where they live together. It's the start of their life together. And the Father, and, and He will build it, and he will, he will work at it, and He will ask His Father, Dad, do I have everything ready yet? 
Dad says, no, you forgot this. You've got to finish this. You can't bring your bride into that mess. <laughs> Clean it up. And the son comes back to dad and says, is it ready? Finally, the father says, yes, go get your bride. Blow the shofar. Let everybody know it's time for the wedding. But dad, it's midnight. Yes, doesn't matter. You have prepared everything. You are ready. That's what our Heavenly Father said to His Son, Jesus. In that room that night, everything is ready, Jesus. Go get your bride. And Jesus has not yet quite finished that. (laughs) Because we still have work to do here, brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, to invite the world to come to that faith. Jesus has given to us. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. The bridegroom is delayed in our world today, and there are people who are getting spiritually drowsy and falling asleep. They need us to help them prepare. Stay awake. Be prepared. And then he came. Keep watch, Jesus says in this. Keep watch. I think this has a couple applications to us, both inside the church and also outside the church. To us who who already have faith in Jesus, to those of us who are already inside the church, we need to make sure that we have received this relationship of intimacy with Jesus. That we have decided to drink the cup that has been offered to us. I met a young man not long ago who, who, who had grown up in the church for years. He heard the gospel for many years. But he didn't know what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I don't know for him what caused that change. But one day... He turned to his girlfriend and said, I never knew before what it meant to have a personal friendship with Jesus until now. And I, 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 I don't know what caused that to change in his mind. I just know that it did. So I'm asking you, do you have a personal friendship with Jesus? Or is it just a religion to you? Is it just a thing that you do? needs to be something who you are. A husband is not just a thing you do. Being a wife is not just a thing you do. It is a relationship that you create. And it is a new person. A, a marriage has a life of its own. And I'm going to unpack that one this morning. So for us who have been in the church, we need to make sure that we have decided to drink the cup and said to Jesus, yes, I receive this. And and what does it mean to drink the cup? It means that I am going to enter into this relationship with you and I am committing myself to bind myself with you. You know, some people say that marriage is just a piece of paper. They're wrong. (laughs) 
Marriage is a decision that we make to enter into a committed, faithful relationship with someone else. This is what Jesus invites us to. And and did you know, we talk about getting divorced these days, but in those days, when that son went and made that contract with the father, the only way, and they weren't married yet, the only way he could get out of that contract is through divorce. That betrothal, that engagement was the legally binding agreement long before they get to the marriage. Jesus has given His life to make that legally binding, that spiritually legally binding relationship with you and with me. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's, that's how we become brothers and sisters in Christ, is through establishing each one of us that relationship with Jesus, through which we receive the beautiful blessings of what it means to be united with Jesus Christ. Pastor Vaughn testified to that. We testified to that as we sang the songs, I ran out of that grave because Jesus ran out of that grave to new life in Christ. And that is the invitation that we have to take outside of the church to the world. Part of that message is, as these gates get closed at one point, it's going to be a day of reckoning in our world. And we need to tell the world that Jesus invites us to this relationship to be prepared and be ready. We have to have, oh, this isn't good. This doesn't sound good. We have to have drunk (laughs) the cup to be prepared. The oil of the lamp, the oil of God, that anointing of the Holy Spirit is the flame, is the, the fuel for the fire in our lives to keep that light burning forever. Where's your light? Do you, do you feel like you constantly run out of that oil? Jesus is the never-ending light that cannot be extinguished. He's the water of life. He's the fountain that keeps flowing of joy. Where are you in your life? Come to Christ. Receive this gift of forgiveness. Receive, ask for, say, Jesus, I am entering into this relationship with you. For us inside the church, that is the invitation that we have to carry to others. What can you do this week to help others see that goodness of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I gave a kind of a tour to a couple yesterday in the church. They they had driven by our bare campus many times on their way to work. Every day they drive by. Two years ago, the couple got married. They had a child. But because they wanted to get the child baptized because this was important to the mother and father. But they were disconnected from the churches that they grew up in, and so they're looking for a new church. And out of the blue, just well, actually, just because they drove by and they saw us here. She sent an email through our website asking, do we do baptisms for people who are not members? Yes! 
So I met with them yesterday. They brought their two-year-old. You know how two-year-olds are. They're a little fidgety. They were sitting in my office, and the two-year-old was there, and he was grabbing. I got, I got some toys around, and I said to Dad, relax. Dad was trying to hold him tight so he didn't ruin anything in my office. I said, let him, let him go, we, whatever. If you think it's safe for him to have that, I'm fine with him having it. So he played. I got, I got toys in my office. They're sermon illustrations, I say, but they're just toys. <laughs> as the, I brought them in here. As they were leaving this space, the two-year-old child saw some other people with Pastor Vaughn over in the corner of the mall, and he wanted to meet those people. Mom and Dad were on their way out the door, and so Dad picked him up. The son didn't want to leave this place, and the dad commented, Wow, he has become very comfortable in this place already. That's God's grace. That's an invitation. That is the love. It's the love of God. Brothers and sisters at Christ the Cornerstone Church, we must never lose that capacity. And that capacity comes from each one of us having this relationship with Jesus Christ. And I invite you to experience Christ's love today. It's time for us to end our service. Let's pray. Let's sing, and as we sing, let's pray that God will help us carry that invitation. Well, first of all, God will put that fire in us, that anointing in us, that relationship. Have you taken the cup and said to Jesus, yes, I want this relationship with you? I don't fully understand it, just like any couple that stands in the presence of God and says, says their vows to each other. They have no idea what it's going to take to fulfill their vows. When we come to Jesus, we don't know everything that we're going to do, so you may have some trepidation. You may say, Jesus, I don't know if I can make good on this. I guarantee you, you're going to make mistakes. But you still make the decision to follow Jesus. And you receive His grace and power and mercy as you live in that relationship. i got to stop. Let's pray. I invite you to stand up as we, as we pray and as the team comes and sings. The altar platform area is open. Uh, prayer stations are, are, are open online. There are people who will pray with you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for pouring the, 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 the wine of the new covenant, which was your blood. Jesus, before us is the cup and the question, will we drink the cup? And then the question for those of us who have already committed ourselves, Will we take this invitation to those who need to hear it? Holy Spirit, come as we sing. Speak to us to give us the faith to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's the invitation. The power that helps us with that invitation is the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit come upon you to be my witnesses.
God, we want to be ready when you come. We want to be ready when you call us. We want to be in a place where we are not waiting, we're not wanting, we're not lacking anything, where we haven't forgotten anything. But Lord, we want to be ready. Just like this parable. We don't know. We don't know when you're coming. We don't know what might happen. It would be fine with me if you came back by lunchtime. But God, even if you don't, we still want to be ready. And so to do that, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. So strengthen us today, Lord, as we go. Encourage us, empower us, lead us. And help us to lead others. Help us to love others the way you love us. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us this weekend. There's still some time. You can come and pray at the front. There are folks at the prayer stations. Our uh, online host will be around for another 10 minutes or so if you need someone to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.